Hey friend, thanks for checking out the Crosspoint Church podcast. It's our hope that these messages will encourage you to grow and thrive in your relationship with Christ. You can find more like this at thecrosspoint.com. Lord, thank you um, for everything that you do for us. Thank you for the abundance of life that we have here at Crosspoint Church that I see all around us. That's because of you, you're the Lord of life. And uh, when you decide to invest in a place, it becomes evident, and we are so thankful for that. And uh, we pray for more. And uh, Lord, we're gonna do something you've commanded us to do, which is make sure we open your book and apply it to our lives, and let it search our hearts and our minds, and let it show us who we are and who we could be in you. And uh, we thank you, Lord. And uh, we give you these next few minutes as we talk together and we thank you that the authority comes from your word and not just from us. And we praise you for that and we stand on it. So we pray for more life and that you would continue to chase death and sin from this place and from our hearts. And uh, we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're gonna keep going on the 10 Commandments as you can see per the graphic, but also if you've been following along at home, you may know which one we're on today, do you? First service, somebody in the middle here goes, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> they were just gonna hit on one, you know, until that. I was surprised somebody didn't say Jesus. Uh, but we are gonna be on number five today, okay, on number five. And in order to get into it, I gotta take you guys back to my childhood, a scary place to be at any time, you know what I mean? So, you know, you might wanna buckle your seatbelts, but uh, this particular part of my childhood would be my uh, a ritual that I had. Uh, maybe you had it too, so I would, it was TV time. And as a young boy, and I only had two brothers, so there was no sisters there to civilize us in any way, um, what we wanted to see on TV was violence. Sorry, I mean, you know, you guys are judging me. So we would uh, microwave our Hot Pockets, <laughs> put down the Pop-Tart, you know, toast some Pop-Tarts for the rich kids, but we had toaster pastries, but it was the same thing, you know, they're pretty good. Come on, toaster pastries. And you'd snuggle up right there in front of the TV all nice and safe to watch, you know, the Duke boys, Bo and Luke Duke. And uh, <laughs> I was wondering where all you guys were, Okay, I guess you all sleep in, because first service was looking at me like, bro, no. <laughs> yeah, the Duke boys, also the fall guy. I like to see old fall guy get out of his truck and just start swinging, you know? Justice coming, five fingers at a time. And heck, the king of them all, John Wayne. I mean, I could watch him kill or beat up, uh, what, 100 people in one Saturday, one weekend. And I was being trained, kind of, in our culture as a thick, strand that runs through our culture that you get to look at the bad guys long enough to really learn to not like them and know that they definitely have it coming and then you get to thrill as it gets them you know as as the wrath of of human comes raining down on top of them something started to break down in the entertainment value for violence and killing in my own life early on um, there's a lot of episodes I'll I'll can confine it to two for this morning. So there I was, little kid at a place called Showbiz. Anybody, any Gen Xers or Millennials want to identify themselves? You've been to Showbiz? You youngins these days will know it as Chuck E. Cheese. 
Boo, exactly. I mean, cheese is in the name. I don't know what else to say. So I was at the real one, Showbiz, and this is where you could throw your kids into the ball pit and forget about them for an hour and a half, <laughs> go down to the bottom and find stuff. You know what I mean? Anybody want to compare things you found after service? So anyway, there we were at showbiz, and what you're supposed to be doing there is eating pizza and, you know, destroying stuff with other kids and trying to drown your brother in the, in the uh, ball pit and all that, and instead, all of a sudden, there's these two guys, you know, there was the usual yelling and hubbub, but these guys rose above the fray. You could tell they weren't kidding anymore, so you got two dads that are squaring off, and I guess they had exhausted all other um, options open to humanity because now we were coming to blows. Yes, at Chuck E. Cheese. And uh, I was watching and I thought, okay, this ought to be exciting. I mean, when you see it on TV, it's pretty cool. You know, we're going to find out who the bad guy is and, you know, who's, who deserves to get it. And so I'm looking and I don't know. The first thing that was wrong was that I'll just to put it lightly and to bring it into today's terms, neither one of these guys was Jason Bourne. So... <laughs> The first couple ugly haymakers, you know, shirts are coming untucked, things are starting to hang out, you know what I mean? So after they kind of miss each other and like hit upside the shoulder once, the one guy manages to get one hit in, okay, and says, <laughs> I'm not making this up, says, how do you like it? Who says that during a fight? The fall guy never said, how do you like it? Can you imagine John Wayne? How do you like it? I guess he just sounded way too much like my little brother, you know, hitting me back. So I was like, dude, this is not fun, you know what I mean? As a matter of fact, I felt a little sick. I felt a little afraid, you know? It was kind of like, oh, this is not how I envisioned up close and personal violence going. Okay, well, anyway, it sowed its doubts, but I wasn't one to be turned around too easily. So, you know, I went ahead and I got older and me and my brothers went ahead and start participating in some violence, you know, even outside of the family circle. Somebody talks wrong to you, shove them, hit them and get nuts. Well, one time I was in junior high. Now my wife informs me that this was something else backwater that we did. So did you guys go to junior high? They call it, okay, thank you. Again, please, some of you come to first service, okay? Because our kids went to middle school, which sounds a lot more civilized than probably was. Uh, but there at our junior high, we would sometimes resort to violence. Well, there was a guy that was bigger than me. He had a big mouth. He's always making fun of me. And I had to kind of let him do it because I was looking at him like, I don't think this is going to go my way. So I would leave him alone. Well, one time while I'm in the hall, he messed up and he decided to open that big mouth to another guy whose dad was a boxing coach or something. Because this guy got professional and went to work on Mr. Big Mouth. So I was turning around like, oh, heck yes, you know. <laughs> Gathered around with the other guys like this guy's going to get what's coming to him. Bang, bang, yes, yes. But then all of a sudden, man, when this guy wasn't stopping and things got kind of serious and before too long this kid hits the ground on all fours, the one I didn't like a minute ago, now he's got blood flowing from his mouth and his nose and he's crawling on all fours away from the guy. And he says in a voice that sounded like a little kid, stop hitting me. Oh, man. Nothing messes up the fun you were having in vengeance like accidentally having empathy for somebody. <laughs> and you could feel like the bloodlust just kind of leak out of that group. Maybe you've been in a similar situation. I don't know. 
And this was starting to kind of finish my education and what up close and personal violence is all about. It's really all about making sure that you don't value the other person as being anything like you. Does that make sense? So this guy was one of the bad guys. I wanted him to go down, but then all of a sudden when I got triggered that maybe this kid had crawled away from his own dad sometimes saying, stop hitting me. I messed up and saw my face in his face and I felt bad for him. And the reason why I think we as a culture need to talk about the value of human beings and learning to fall out of love with violence and murder is because in our culture there's a huge thick strain of celebrating it. And I think it's gonna be, and I know it's gonna be addressed by our fifth commandment today, so I wanna start there and kinda dig in and see the value of a human life through God's eyes or through the Bible's eyes. Is that fair? Do you guys wanna go there with me? I don't have hot pockets. You might have brought your own. If so, you can get them out now. Just make sure an usher doesn't see you. All right, so we're gonna go to Exodus chapter 20. That's where the Ten Commandments are, at least one place you can find them. Exodus chapter 20. And we're gonna read our our verse together. It's gonna take a while, so settle in. You might wanna get your reading glasses out, your... Okay, I'm just kidding. It's right up there. It's uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. You guys look legitimately worried. You're like, really? How long? How long are you going to take? Yep, it's you shall not murder. So I just told Pastor Sean I'd get up here and make sure you guys understand that. We good? Let's go to lunch. No, uh, but sometimes I think we are tempted to take things like that a little too lightly or just at face value. So, okay, this is a no, and I think I get it, and I haven't murdered anybody this week, so I think me and God are good. Um, One of the reasons I think we treat this one pretty lightly at face value is because when confronted with the Ten Commandments or if it comes up in a conversation, most of your fellow Americans will quickly jump to this one as like the one they haven't done. I'll tell you one thing, I haven't murdered anybody. (laughs) It's like, "Ah, I figured, you know, but so they kind of jump there. I want to keep us from doing that. I think there might be more to this, and I think we're going to see the more to it if we put it into context, okay? So the first thing I want to clear up is, I have seen this verse translated before as you shall not kill. Maybe you guys have seen that before. There's a problem with that, and the biggest problem is because in the world, in the thought life of the Bible, and in our world too, but sticking here with our scriptures and the law that God gave, The Hebrew language does have two different words, one for kill, which would just be meaning to take a life, to end a life. And then there is the concept, the word for murder, which is definitely being dealt with here, which means the unlawful, or for your own reasons, or on your own, or the snuffing out of an innocent life. That is what we're talking about here for You know, we need to be clear on that. One of the reasons we need to be clear about it is, I have heard people take cheap shots at the Bible before by saying, hey, the Bible says thou shalt not kill, and then there's reasons to kill in there. That's a cheap shot. This is not what this verse is talking about. It's talking about murder. It's talking about the unlawful taking of a human life. So we need to establish that right off the bat. If the Bible wanted to say never killing ever, it would. It's not a dumb book. It's it's a deep book, and if it wanted to say that, it would. And so we're dealing with the unlawful taking of a human life, thou shalt not murder. The second thing we need to really keep in mind is where this comes in context. Now we've been talking about this throughout our series and I'm glad because we really need to. It's very helpful, especially when you come to things like the Ten Commandments. 
You need to know the thought process behind. Why is God saying this? Sometimes we assume, I think, that God just picked 10 of the worst things he could think of and said, don't do them. That's a lot of times how I think some people take the 10 commandments. I just feel like it's scattershot. Like, hey, we just take some things that are real bad and just tell you not to do them because God doesn't want you to be a bad person, bottom line. The problem is that's way too thin. That's way too surface level. That has nothing to do with what God is doing. It does remind me how me and my brothers thought of all my mom's rules, though. We used to just think, heck, my mom's got a lot of energy, and she just wants to spend her whole life running around the house yelling at kids to, you know, change their underwear on occasion, don't lie to one another, don't yank big chunks of your little brother's hair out, don't throw Hot Wheels at each other, eat your food, don't steal money, don't shove people, don't invade the neighbor's house, don't kill that dog. You know, we just thought she was just excited about all that turn lights off you know turn the water off would it be too much to ask to shut your window when there's a storm outside you know things like that and we just thought you know scattershot mom was just you know walking around just trying to trim stuff off I don't know what she was doing but I remember all of a sudden when it hit me when I was about 14 or 15 years old I'm just thinking there I'm putting it all together lying stealing killing shooting I wonder what oh my mom just wanted us to grow up to be decent human beings <laughs> Thank you. She wanted us to be able to eat at the table like normal folks, you know. She didn't want us to grow up being animals because we're not. We're people, or in other words, I finally got it through my head that my mom wanted me to enjoy my life. She was trying to make sure I didn't go to prison. She was trying to make sure I didn't end up being a savage with no friends. She was trying to help me. And I think it's very important to take at least that much coherence and put it back into these 10 commandments that God has given us. This commandment is put in number five for a reason, in other words. It's not because God was just getting bored and needed to get down to murder. He was putting it here because he has said some things before and he's got some more to say. So the first thing he did, as we've learned in our series, is he had people look at him and he said, this is who I am, I'm God Almighty. I took you out of Egypt, you're my people. I'm to be the only God you have. Don't make images of me and worship them. I'm not your images. I made everything there was. Don't make pictures of me and say, that's God. It won't be me. I'm bigger than that. Don't do that. Don't take my name, my reputation in vain for just because you feel like it. I'm holy. It's my name. Use it how I tell you to. And listen, I did my work in six days and I rested and I'm your provider and I don't want you covering every inch of your life with work. Keep my holy day holy. And he worked his way down to where we come in as Pastor Sean was talking to us about, respecting and honoring our parents. So God said, look, I've given life to you as a gift. You didn't make yourself. I made you. I passed this great gift of life down through generations of people, and it has come to you as a gift. Respect those that came through to the best of your ability. And then we arrive here at... And so, since life is a great gift that you didn't make and came to you from God himself, don't take it from other people. Does that make sense? We can start to see that God in these 10 commandments is, is in a conversation. It's not just, hey, here's some bad stuff, don't do it. And then also, if we notice, we look before, now we look at what's to come. He says, hey, number one, this is a, it's kind of a non-starter with your neighbor if you kill him. But let's not end there. Don't murder because that's another human just like you I'm looking at. And so in other words, don't steal from them. Don't take their spouse. Don't lie about them in court and take away their good name in this culture and in the courts. And don't look at them as just somebody to be envious of, that they have stuff that you wish you had instead. 
And so once we put this commandment back where it belongs in an overall conversation or as a foundation for life to flourish, God wanted neighbors to turn to him and love him so that they could turn to one another and love each other as we love ourselves. That was the plan then and it was the plan now. He had hoped for a world where murder was just something that did not happen. So what carries through the 10 Commandments, first of all, is the value of God, that he is the supreme value and the creator of the universe, that he's to be honored and held in honor above all things, And then comes the fact that he made human life so he gets to set the price on it. That's what I had forgotten or was learning to forget when I was watching violence and murder on TV. I had no value for the people on there just being actors. You know, they were the bad guys and I was looking forward to them getting killed. And I tried to carry over that attitude into real life until I started to make the mistake of having some empathy for people. Listen, it's extremely important And it is what lies behind the Christian argument in a lot of big issues in life is the fact that people are different than animals. They're different than anything else in creation and they have a value that is set at the price tag that God gives them. It's a big deal. You could find it in a lot of places in the Bible, but here's one in Genesis chapter nine, verses five through seven. God had brought a flood upon the world because, note, he said the entire world had become polluted with, you guessed it, violence. Of all the sins he could have picked, which I'm sure were going on, the one that made him say of his own accord that he regretted having made mankind was violence and the way that violence had flooded the entire earth. And so he lays down this law again to Noah and he says in Genesis chapter nine, verses five through seven, he says this, and for your life blood, I will require a reckoning. This means God is the cashier when we're talking about what lives cost. You bring a human life to God and he sets the value as being, as being something that belongs to him and that if anyone wants to take it, he will from that person require a receipt, a reckoning an explanation for why this life has been taken. From every beast I will require it. We still see this in our laws today where if a dog becomes notorious for hurting a child, biting a human being, or injuring one in some way, most civilized people agree that the dog has to go, not the human. And so we require a reckoning from animals when they hurt people. If a bear has been known to hurt people, they put that bear down because we've decided, it seems to us that humans are different. And God says, even if a beast takes a human life, I will require that life from them. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Listen to this. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Why? What's the reason? It's the value. Look what it says. For God made man in his own image. And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply it. Let's look first at the threat that's implicit in this. There's a threat here, there's a warning. It's the same warning that you would have had if you lived on my street in Arnold, which was East Highview. If you went a couple houses down on East Highview, there was a house at which lived about four or five bikers. Whole deal, you know, old school. This was before bikers started to change. I've noticed some of you guys are mixing, some of you bikers are starting to mix styles and stuff. This is back when you could know a biker when you saw one. We're just talking about the leather vest, no shirt, big beard, you know, mom tattooed on the arm. I don't know how everyone was connected at that house, okay? 
but they, for a job, they also drove dump trucks. So I don't know, what were they, all brothers, friends? I'm not sure. So we got bikers who drive dump trucks for a living. I think you're getting the picture. And again, I don't know how everyone was connected down there, but there was girlfriends and wives, and so there were kids, and there was a house, and there was a couple of dogs. Now, me and the other Sarah boys, you know, especially if I could still get in trouble for it, don't put this around anywhere, but me and some of the other guys in the neighborhood were, would, would be known to cause a little trouble, you know, a little trespassing here, a little fence jumped there, you know, that kind of stuff, a little, maybe, maybe a mailbox hit every now and again. I'll tell you one house we didn't visit. Anybody want to guess which one? Man, you know what? I didn't even think to ask, you know? They had kids. We didn't think to knock on the door and say, hey, Butch, Zebra, TJ, you mind if we mess with one of your kids? We just got the overwhelming symbolism that said, hey, if it belongs to us, don't touch it. Got it? And we knew it spread from their entire yard to everything they owned. Listen. God, the creator of the universe, applies that same warning and that same worth and that same implied threat to every human being, every one of them. It says here, human is made in his image. It's made even clearer in Genesis 1 where he makes man. He says, hey, he created them male, he created them female. In his image, he created them. They are his He says, hey, these things are made in my image. They picture me here in the earth. And the maker of this, the price tag maker of this, is God, the almighty maker of heaven and earth. So if you reach for one of these to damage it, think two or three times about what you are doing. And in a world where we've decided to set a real sliding scale on the value of human beings based on how much money they have or don't have or whether they're handicapped or not or what race they're from or what country or their political persuasion, this is an important word for us. And I hope it's an important word for somebody who's sitting here this morning that someone has abused you or threatened you or hurt you in some way and tried to take your value as a human being away from you. I know it hurt. I know it got in your head and your heart because it was meant to, but I wanna tell you this as your brother and your friend, your value as a human being is something that cannot be taken from you because it isn't based upon whatever abusive small person tried to do to you. It's based on the almighty God who made you and has put a stamp on you that is good for all of eternity. And if we kept even that portion in mind, then we would eliminate most of the violence and issues that we have in our lives. But unfortunately, we, as well as many other cultures, have embraced a sliding scale when it comes to the value of a person. Those of us who follow the gospel, it should not be that way among us. All right, now I said that is the threat, and it's a real one, and you will not find a culture or a people group on earth that is able to rid itself of violence, destroying and hurting their culture, because God said, if you guys are violent and murder one another, violence will never leave your culture, I'm telling you. And so if you think, hey, is he asleep at the wheel? Has he learned to punish people? You need to look around the earth and see that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven by a violence that no matter what we do or how much money we spend, we cannot seem to get off of our hands because God is waiting for us to come back to him but I never want us to forget the fact that every no that God gives, even strong ones like this, like no, I'm not kidding you, this is serious, he gives the no because as we said, he wants a big yes. 
We get so caught up in thinking that God is the type of God to go, don't murder or else, period, and we forget the fact that all of his rules are meant for us to stand on to live life because God loves life. Look back at the warning I just read in Genesis 9, 5 through 7. Verse 7 says, this is the payoff. This is the reason why God is making this threat. He says, and you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. God loves life. If you know what to look for, you can tell just by looking at life. Of course, it's in the Bible. I mean, the Bible begins with God getting the whole thing started, so it was his idea in the first place. Apparently, God doesn't like a big, dark, empty room. He speaks into it, and out comes everything there ever was. (laughs) You know, it's a pretty big deal. And then he's been in it, involved intimately in it ever since, interacting with his creation. He made man out of his own image. He's breathing into people's nostrils and they're becoming, the, filling them with the breath of life. He's reaching into old Adam's side and pulling out the better part and making a lady for him and bringing him together because he knew the guy needed help and wouldn't make it on his own. And on and on, he loves life. But you could just look at life itself. You don't even have to be a Bible believer to get the idea that God loves life. Have you ever considered that life is not exactly just trickling out of an empty hose before. I mean, when you think about the way life begins, you ever been there when a baby was born? It comes in messy. It's filled with packaging material and it's yelling already. And there's already been yelling in the room and there's fluids and there's people and there's stuff. I remember when I first went to cut an umbilical cord for the first time in my life, I couldn't believe how hard it was to get through that thing. Nobody told me. Life is here to hold on and fight back. Life spills out all over the place. I can tell you I haven't won you over yet, so let's get grosser. Life spills out all over the place. If you go to one of Missouri's rivers and stick your head underneath there and open your eyes if you can take it, you will see it's busy down there, and that's just one little micro place. If you wanna be a real man, go stick your head in the ocean. Something will bite it off for you. Life is moving and it's messy. You can capture it in one little thing. Here's one of my little favorite parts to get a look at how much God really likes life, and that is in meeting a dog. I like meeting dogs, your dog. I want you to take it home, pay for it, feed it and all that, but I wanna meet it and here's why. When you meet a dog, they don't say, hi, nice to meet you. Dude, dogs wanna know what you smell like, man. And they're not talking about, they don't politely smell your fingers, they do if they're trained, but I like a good untrained dog because they come up and they stick their nose where it doesn't belong. They wanna know every biological function you've ever had. You guys know what I'm talking about. We say dogs are butt sniffers to each other, but they don't discriminate, do they? And they'll come over. Whenever I greet a dog, they'll stick their nose right up under your armpit, you know, just in there and snuffle, and I like to close their little nose in there, and then they want to smell your face. You people always judging the beard, shave it. Not a dog. They go through the beard. They're looking for what I ate for breakfast two weeks ago, and then they want to get up my nose where the salt is at, and they smell into your eyeballs, and you can grab their two cheeks like this and rub their face on yours, and then they want to smell inside your ear, and if you let them, they're going in there for a snack too. Yeah, are you with me now? So I'll let up. (laughs) You've got to keep in mind that that's the way God has always liked life. Be fruitful and multiply. He turned that thing on and he means for it to flow freely for all of eternity. He likes it more than you do. And in the Ten Commandments, we have a guarantee that he likes life. He set them out. He said, if you stick with me and don't kill each other and steal from one another, you could live and flourish for all eternity. It's what I want. It's what I'm going to make happen. It was a huge vote of life, for yes, to life from God. But we have an even clearer one. God got down in it with us.
us. God voted yes to life by becoming one of us. He went in the old womb for nine months and came out and lived among us and was nursed by his mom and rolled around in the mud and fought off bacteria and lived life with us and got slobbered on by his brothers and sisters and wrestled and rolled and became one of us and eventually had his own body murdered and broken for us to release the eternal life that we put our trust in when it comes to the gospel. Listen, we got Easter coming up. And a lot of us, we miss what Easter has to say. It's an eternal yes to life and life as you know it. And this is what I mean. Sometimes at Christmas time, there's a little bit of preaching that gets me irritated, okay? Can I share it with you guys? All right. The part that irritates me is sometimes just for rhetorical effect, something I wouldn't know anything about. I only speak the sober truth at all times and keep calm. But all I'm saying is, uh, sometimes for rhetorical effect, a preacher at Christmas time will kind of put it like, God loved the earth so much that at Christmas time, he was willing to come all the way down and become a human being. You know, that would be kind of like you becoming a slug. You know, can you imagine jamming all of eternity into that human body? Listen, he didn't get that from the Bible. God was happy to become a human being. We were a vessel prepared for him to live in and through us. God, through his Holy Spirit, can live in and through you now. God loves people. Jesus was happy to be human. He didn't wade through the human zoo for 33 and a half years, and then when they killed him, go, oh, thank God, I'm out of here. I'm so tired of this stuff. Instead, when they killed him and tried to take his body and break it, when he rose three days later from the grave, he didn't go, good, I'm out of here. Goodbye, bones. Goodbye, skin. Goodbye, ugh, people kissing you on the cheek. Instead, he rose in his body he people even kept his scars I mean I've had moles removed God kept his scars in his hands and in his feet and on his head and in his side because he loves life when he came to eat with his disciples he cooked them some fish on the beach and ate it with them don't judge me God did it what I don't want you to miss is this since Jesus rose bodily from the grave and promises to make a new heaven and a new earth, that means that God has always loved life and votes yes on it for all of eternity. Let's give the blame for life hating where it belongs. This is the way Jesus put it in John 10 and 10. He says, the thief, so he names the devil. He says, my enemy, the thief, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. God hates sin, you know why? Because it takes life away. God hates murder because it stops life. God hates any way that we try to restrain and limit and tie down life. So he loves masculinity. He loves men. He made them. He knows who we are. He knows what we look like after 40 with our shirts off. And he made us and he loves us. And when he made people, he said, here's how I'm going to start. I got this masculinity. And then God doesn't hate femininity. He doesn't hate women or have contempt for them. He loves it. That was his masterful fifth symphony. He made that. Femininity is his idea. And he said, man, I need both of these to, to show who I am. That was his idea. He's a pro-life, yes-life guy. When we decide to hate either men or women or hate certain races of people, we forget that God reached into the color bucket and used every single one of them because that's the way he likes things. There wasn't just one ethnicity was not good enough for him. He had to spray it all over the place. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the guy who thinks you're going home too early. 
Jesus is the guy that would show up at your party earlier than you and leave later than you. Jesus says that baby human beings have become cheap and afraid and small and thin and that God is the lover of life and he's come back to show us not how to die but how to live. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. But when we become tied into ourselves, worried about getting enough from me, and worried about what others could take from me comes all of the problems, comes lowering people's value in our eyes, comes anger, comes hatred, comes contempt, comes murder. And so that's where we have to end today, okay? We have to end by bringing ourselves back to that value that God set on a human life so that we can see where we're complicit in this. Instead of saying, Josiah, I agree, and if I ever think of murdering somebody, I won't, and if I see somebody murder somebody, I'll call the police, I promise. I believe you but something that would be more effective is for all of us to see where we're complicit of it in our own lives. One way that I was confronted with it was a conversation that I had with some guys on my street a little while ago. There was a trend or you know, just a little rash of people coming down our streets and trying the car doors in the middle of the night, see if any were open, and then they would go through it. And they got into my car, which if you've ever been in my little HHR, you'd look around and go, now nah, let's move on to the next one. My mom passed away when she was 60 from cancer, and for some reason I had her little pay-as-you-go Nokia phone still in my car, and those dudes took her phone. They took my mom's phone. Another time, my wife parks our van up here at the church overnight so we could go on a trip, and some guys, even though this is the house of God, slid right underneath of it and chopped the old catalytic converter right off of it. I hope they prayed and thanked God for this that they were about ready to receive, you know. (laughs) And so I'm hot, man. If I'd have caught them guys running off of my mom's phone, I was hot, you know? And these other guys were workers, and so they got their trucks and vans parked on our streets. And anyway, we were talking like Midwest men will. Yeah, if I catch that guy, boy, oh boy, you know, he's gonna feel it. And then one among us got real serious, though. He decided to quit playing games. He goes, well, I'll tell you guys what I got. If I catch that anybody near my truck, I got a gun, says they'll never do it again. And all of a sudden, I had one of those Christian moments, you guys know what they are, where you know you were rolling around being bad, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, hey bro, I still got my eyes on you, I adopted you, you're not from this family, and I need you to say something. And in case you're wondering what I need you to say, Josiah, I'm gonna bring it back to your mind that you were a drug dealing, drug using, lying, worthless criminal yourself, and I came into your life and decided it was worth helping you and giving you a second chance. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, fellas, I'd just say, you know, it'd be sad to see a young life that maybe he could turn around and have another chance snuffed out uh, for just this stuff that's in our cars and in our trucks. And the guys looked at me like, no, nah, I don't think so. If I find that guy, he's done. And I noticed the line. So that's the line that the gospel has to conquer in our lives. Because once someone crosses us in this life, or if they're in a certain people group we don't like, they lose their value. And we find out that it's okay to at least hate them. And if, man, if we could get away with it, maybe get rid of them so that we didn't have to put up with them or live with them. And so I was starting to see where in my heart it lives. Now listen, I agree with people who look at the Bible and say, hey, it seems to me that throughout the Bible, It says that sometimes the evil of human beings will have to be restrained and sometimes by violence. I agree, I've looked it over all, you know, for a long time, I've read all tons of books and I'll continue to study and look. One of the clearest places that it's written is here in Romans 13 and four says, but if you do wrong, see Apostle Paul, be afraid, 
For he, he's talking about the government, the magistrate, that God says their authority has come down from him. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. I understand that. I understand that we're not all gonna stand in a circle and sing kumbaya. I understand that our law enforcement and our soldiers have been called upon for violence and death sometimes in order to protect the innocent. That's the idea. And I understand all that, and I understand it's complicated, but sometimes I think we hide behind those big ticket issues to say, I have the right opinion on these, and so I'm okay with God, and we miss our own complicity in it. And so very quickly on the big ticket issues, I feel like those are easy to look at. For one, I've been very proud to be a part of Cross Point Church where the pro-life people at this church say, yes, we see in the Bible that since people are made in the image of God, then when you look at a lady who's pregnant, you're looking at two lives, two human beings, and you have to deal accordingly. That's why we're always stubborn and ornery and can't go along with policies that say it's okay to kill a baby in its mother's womb. That's why we're that way, because it's in the Bible. It's the value of a human life. You're dealing with human lives. It's hard, it's complicated, but we keep our eyes on both lives. Too often there's been the ones that say, I have the right opinion on abortion and you better have it too or you're going to hell and I know you are and you're bad. And instead I've loved, I've been so proud to watch that movement grow and keep going, yeah, but the mom too. We're not gonna just snuff away things like incest and rape and poverty and go, it's like, no big deal, just make sure you make the right decision. And instead we said, no man, on the equation there's two lives. And we've faced hairy stuff like capital punishment. You have people of good conscience on both sides of searching the scriptures. And we say, yes, but let's always keep in mind you're looking at two lives. If you're a law and order guy, would you love you rub your hands together? I'll pull that switch right now and put that guy, send him straight to God. Does that sound like Jesus to you? Or if you're on the other side and say, man, capital punishment is horrible. They need a second chance. Do you know the victims? Are you as high on looking at the people that were destroyed or had their lives gutted by violent crime? Do you know them too? Do you value all lives? If I had time, I could go on, but I think you get the idea. We try to look at the equation of both lives, but let's not shield ourselves from our complicity in murder and violence. Here's three places I think we could start and uh, grow. There's so much more I'd love to say, but in the interest of time, let's go for these, okay? So number one, we have to see both from this fifth commandment, but, but the entirety of scripture, and especially God's yes to Jesus dying, the Bible says, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world, then we have to say, for followers of Jesus, there's no sliding scale of worth when it comes to other people. And then God knew what we would say, would say, he says, even your enemies. And we miss the power of certain moments, so there was violent crime being persecuted on Christ right then, they were crucifying him, and it says that he looked down on them and said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And so yes, thank you and amen and praise God, and there went all of our excuses. That's tough, that's tough. But we cannot have a sliding scale, not based on their worth or their abilities or where they were born or their religion or their race. There's no sliding scale for Christians. People are people made in the image of God and should be treated accordingly. Number two, I think we could say this, obeying this commandment starts by resisting murder where it starts. Or in other words, if we could, as Barney Fife might say, nip it in the bud, it would be right here. It's anger and unforgiveness and contempt for others in our hearts. 
Listen, if you want to catch the moment at which a human life starts to lose value in your eyes, it's when you become angry at them. And it's in those times where maybe you've sped up a little bit on the uh, lane to make sure that that person knew it wasn't their turn to merge, or in other words, even though they might run off the road and die, you didn't care right then. Or when we use the insulation of the internet and social media and other things to shield ourselves from the hurtful, hateful, I wish you weren't here, I wish you weren't staining this earth anymore rhetoric that we use on people because we're shielding ourselves from the fact that they're human beings too. We have to find it in our hearts and begin to turn that over to God. And last of all, it's positively, we overcome the evil of murder when we love our neighbors. That's the real goal. That's the yes. We need to know the no. Yes, no to anger and contempt and unforgiveness. Yes to Jesus died for me and so I can forgive others. But even more positively, we need to not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That happens when we love our neighbors in ways that cause life to flourish in the way God intended. This is why we don't check IDs at the door of a church. When you come in, we don't say only Christians in here. We just say, if you're a human made in the image of God, you're welcome to come in if you want to be here. We don't say Chris, the coffee's for Christians only. We say, come on in, and we want to just be with you. You're our neighbors. You're made an image of God. Hear what we have to say. As Christians, we don't check streets first to make sure only Christians live on them. We just move in and decide to be ourselves among the people of God. When we go with our coworkers, we don't make sure that every person that lives at the, works at this place is a Christian. End of story. Instead, we get down in it with other people because we want to give life and give it away and love and forgive even down to the last drop like our Savior Jesus did because when we do that, we walk in his image and life flourishes and the no's gain their meaning so that people can see the overwhelming yes that Christianity is. We say yes to marriage and yes to kids and man, I gotta be done right now. Yes, it's time is over. Yes to letting people go when church should be done. Yes, yes. Yes to beating the Baptist to, used to be old country buffet but they went out of business. All right. Hey, I hope you stay tuned in for the rest of this series. Also, I could recognize that there may be questions raised by what we talked about today, and I understand that. I'd be more than willing to talk with you about it. Why don't you email me and we'll talk if you have any questions you wanna talk over. But last of all, I'd like to invite you to a couple things. Is that okay? First off, if you're here today and you're like, man, I need, I need to pray with someone, I need to talk to somebody, Maybe I'd like to get more involved at this church or maybe I just need to know what my next steps are with God. I I need to know where to go from here. If you walk right out those doors and look to your left, there's a next step room and there are some human people in there who would like to talk with you and attempt to answer any of your questions, just get you where you need to be, okay? So consider yourselves invited to that. And then the second thing is, this Wednesday is the first Wednesday of the month and we do something to celebrate life which is we always come together the first Wednesday of every month and we eat a big dinner together. Now, I'm bribing you here. It's tacos. So if you want to come into a taco bar with me, my whole family, and everybody else, then you're invited this Wednesday. You come. And then we have a service where we pray for the needs of the church. We're going to have all the generations here in this room. It's going to be really cool. All right? You might want to bring some ibuprofen and come here and be with us because we're going to hear from God's word and pray together. Is that good? All right, love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday. Thanks again for joining us. You can check out thecrosspoint.com for more resources like this.